0: So we are in a week three of um, Starting Over series. Uh, how many of y'all ever felt like in your life, uh, e- either a season of your life or maybe a day, you just wish you had a do-over? How many of y'all wish you had a do-over? Come on. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. All right? Okay. All right. Hey, look around, all the liars. All right. So so if you, um, if you are human, you... Have wanted a do-over. You just wanted to start this day over, this week over, this month, this year, you know, your life, whatever that is. But can I tell you something? God has allowed us to start over, to have a do-over. And the area that I think that many believers and non-believers, every human being, we struggle with the most is regrets. We all have Regrets. And In our first week, we uh, we revisited our, our regrets. Uh, we revisited those, and and if you remember, for those of you who are here, I gave you an index card and asked you to write down your regret, regrets or whatever. Some of you had volumes, and that's okay. All right, um, and, and uh, some of you just had one. But every one of those uh, those index cards we took uh, w- was represented on this canvas right here that you see here on the floor. And so we didn't we didn't write every single regret. But every card was represented. And, uh, and so some of you have got a chance to actually see that up close. And, but you could tell there's some ugly kind of regrets on there. And it's like, wow. Uh, and all of those regrets came from here, Lake Point Church. I said, man, we're a mess-up group of people. You're right. And guess what? We're sinners, and we make mistakes, and we have regrets. And guess what? We all need a Savior. We all need a Savior every day. And we need a chance to start over. So we had an opportunity in our first week to revisit our regrets. And it's important to revisit them because um, we don't want to regret our regrets. We don't want to regret them. You know, one of the reasons why we have regrets is we we pursue those longings. Do you know that you have a God-given longing for purpose, love? Do you know that God has given you those longings to make a difference, to to have more of a meaning in your life or to get connected with people? God has put that inside of you, and so. But also with that longing, God has created a plan for you to fulfill that longing. And guess where their plan, that plan is found? It's found right here in God's word. Right here in God's word is a plan. You want purpose in your life? It's here. You want love in your life? It's here. But many times we pursue, uh, you know, those those longings of happiness or our our purpose or love. Outside of God. And when we try to pursue those longings outside of God or outside of God's plan, that's when regrets happen, don't they? That's when those regrets happen. Think about some of the regrets, even some of the big regrets in your life. And you think through, it's like, yeah, I remember making that regret and I was not really walking in line with God. I know that wasn't following God's plan. So it's, it's not... Bad that you have longings for purpose and for love and, and to make a difference in this world. That, that's not, God has given that to you, but we want to follow it within God's plan. And, and uh, we talked about how there's three types of regrets. There's regrets of action, regrets of inaction, and regrets of, in, uh, of reaction. So regrets of action, things you've done. Uh, Thinks uh, regrets of inaction. Oh, man, I missed out on that. I should have done that. Or regrets of reaction. How you react to how someone has treated you, okay? Um, And um, But whether your regret is one of those three, just know this. Your life is not defined by your regret. Now, some of you need to hear that again. Your life is not defined by your regret. See those regrets? If one of those are yours, Your life is not defined by that regret. That's not God's plan. That's not God's story for your life. And in fact, as we saw in Peter's story, the disciple Peter, when he denied Christ, uh, it was a major regret. What did God do? He gave him a new story. He gave him a chance to start over. God has a new story for you, and God wants you to take your regrets and use them. Not don't regret your regrets. But use them, revisit them, and then we want to recognize. Some of you recognize some of your regrets here today. Last week we talked about recognizing them. And we looked at the the story of David, King David, how he had everything he ever wanted. He ever needed everything. Well, almost everything, I guess, because one day when the army was off to war, he looked out on his balcony and saw Bathsheba bathing outside, and she looked really good to him. And... He sent for her. And while her husband was fighting a war, she and David connected. And it spiraled downhill from there and ended up with David having Bathsheba's husband killed and David living with Bathsheba as if nothing ever happened. But the prophet Nathan came and, and gave him the real story, of what's happening. And it says, David, you're living with a regret, and you don't even recognize it. So last week, we talked about ways that we can recognize our regrets. Because some of us may be living in a life, may be living a story right now, and we don't even know. We don't even realize we're making some regrets making some regrets. Now, if you're sitting here today and say, man, this is a great uplifting message. You're having me revisit my regrets. My regrets visit me every day. I don't need to revisit or I don't need to recognize because they're here. Well, we're going to do something today that I believe today and especially next week. You don't want to miss next week. We're going to do something with your regrets that I believe is going to make a big impact on your life. With regard to your regrets, and so um, so with res- responding uh, as we respond to our regrets, we don't want to dwell on them. We don't want to just just dwell on them all the time. We don't want to have those recurring in our mind over and over again. Okay, but also we don't want to hide from them. We don't want to hide them uh, from them uh, with um, uh, with distractions in our life. Some people hide from their regrets by just being busy. Or some people hide from, uh, from their regrets with other kind of denials in their life. And so, but you do want to face them. And so this week, we're going to talk about how we want to release our regrets. We want to know how we can best release our regrets. And your regrets, it's time for your, regret, your regrets to be let go. We need to let go of our regrets. I know that's hard. I know that's very difficult. And, and depending upon the regret will depend on how uh, you release that and, and what you do with that. And so here are just some five simple questions that we're going to ask um, ourselves today that will show you just kind of where you need to begin, where you need to start with starting to uh, release uh, your regrets. Now, I encourage you. I, I really want you to take these questions very seriously. I want you to think about these questions. There are only five and so I want you to think about these questions and, and, and how you can use these questions as you have recognized your regrets and now starting to, okay, I need to figure out how I'm going to release those. So here's question number one. Do you regret committing a sin? Do you regret committing a sin? Sometimes we, we regret what we regret falls into the category sin, of sin. Uh, it was something that you did that maybe disappointed God. Let me give, give you some examples. You lost your job and your reputation by stealing from your employer. Or here's another one, and that's a sin of action. And here's another one. You have refused to be generous to people in need, and so this is uh, the sin of inaction. You know, God calls us to be generous, uh, to show generosity. And so maybe that's a sin of inaction. Or another example is your mother treats your sister better than she treats you, and as a result, you let anger erupt toward her. This is a sin of reaction. Reaction, sort of retaliating, getting back of that, and that is sin. So it's important to determine whether your regret uh, involves sin or not, because if it does, then letting go of the, requ- the regret requires something important, and that is repentance. It requires repentance and to proceed in that direction. If you have sinned, repentance is a, is a critical part in starting over. Now, repentance is not some sort of impersonal religious transaction between you and God, kind of like what you do on PayPal. All right? It's not some sort of, well, I just need to do this just to to feel good about myself or whatever. What it is, repentance bridges the separation between you and God. Because as the Bible makes it very clear, sin separates us from God. God and us and sin. And so as sin has separated us from God, what does repentance do? Repentance bridges that gap. And, of course, our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And repentance I got. But let me tell you something. Even if you're a believer, I mean, I believe, I've been a believer since I was six years old. But let me tell you something. I've not lived a perfect life. And there are times, many times in my life where even though I was a believer and I was going to heaven, right, and I call myself a Christian, there were decisions and, and regrets that I made in my life that caused separation between me and God. And what, uh, what did I have to do to sort of feel like God was close to me? I had to I had to repent. Had to repent. And and, and repentance means that that confession and then starting uh, starting over and going in the opposite direction. So if you were going this direction against God with your regret, then it's time to say, God, I confess. I'm going this direction toward you. So repentance is turning around, facing the opposite direction. Uh, direction we see this uh, in in the rest of the story of David, the story that I just shared with you with Bathsheba and and how David did those awful actions of of regret. so after delivering god 's criticism of david 's behavior with Bathsheba, the prophet Nathan turned and walked away, leaving the king alone. This was not easy for David; he was known at, he was known after The the man after God's own heart, right here in God's word, he was a a worshiper. He wrote lots of songs. He was a, a warrior who said, the battle belongs to the Lord. When he was in moments of distress, he trusted in the Lord. So how would David respond? How did David respond to being called out? To understand that you don't even recognize your regret. And once you recognize it, what did David do? Now, David could have said, You know what? I'm king. I can do whatever I want. I'm king. If I want to invite other women, or if I want to kill people, I can do that. I'm king. Yeah, he could have done that. You know, there's there's many people in this world who think they could just get away with anything. And the higher in position that they are in leadership or government leadership or whatever, you see corruption. And they just feel like they could do whatever they want. Or David could have responded with repentance. And so that's exactly what David did. So what David did, he, he got alone in a solitude place. He left, left everybody around, removed everybody from his chamber went into a solitude place and cried out to the Lord in repentance. Cried out on his knees. A man like David doing the filthy things that he did and being caught. And so he cried out to the Lord on his knees, cried bitterly. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had, the, if we had that prayer that David prayed? Wouldn't it be awesome if we had the words that David prayed to God in response to that act? Well, we do. It's Psalm 51. Psalm 51. I'd encourage you, we're gonna read a little bit of that, but I encourage you, if you are in a place in your life where you just want confession. And you want to see what a man like David, how he responded to that. Read Psalm 51, and it tells us. But what can we learn from this? What can we learn from David about how he responded to God? So David wrote out his response, wrote out his response to God. David faced his sin squarely. David owned his mistakes. He knew he needed forgiveness. So imagine hearing David sing words like this. And this is Psalm 51, verse verse 2 and 3. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. See, David owned up to his sin. He realized that regret, his regret was rooted sin. And so what we can learn from David is own up to it. Own up to it. Face it squarely, head on. Another thing David did, David, David was concerned about his relationship with God. God has spoken to him many, many times. And as he was a man after God's own heart, longing for the heart of God, nothing was more painful than the separation from his heavenly Father. And we can see this in in, in Psalm 51, verse 11 through 12. He says, Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He lost his joy. He lost the joy of his salvation. He lost the joy of the relationship with God. People ask me all the time, what separates Christianity from other other religions? Christianity is about a relationship with God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus, the son who came down to die for us. It's about a relationship. And so God and David were separated, and David lost his joy of walking with God. If you have lost your joy, I'm not talking about happiness, okay, because things can go up and down throughout our day and make us happy and not happy. I'm talking about joy, the joy of the Lord. If you've lost your joy, then maybe it is sin in your life. But David was concerned about his relationship. Now, some of you out there could be stuck in a world of unforgiveness towards someone you know very well. right on cue, someone you know very well, and that person is you. That person is you. It's more difficult for you to forgive yourself than to forgive others. In fact, I would almost say it's easier for you to forgive other people more than it is to forgive yourself. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you a powerful principle. Some of you need to listen to this. Listen carefully. When you refuse to acknowledge God's forgiveness of yourself, so after you have confessed to God, okay, and you've repented, so when you refuse to acknowledge God's forgiveness of yourself, you are, in effect, saying that you are God. You are, in effect, saying that you are God when you choose not to accept The forgiveness of God. And when you choose, when you choose to say, well, there's no way God can forgive me. There's no way God can forgive me. You're not God. You're not God. And God makes it very clear in his word. Okay? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if God can forgive you, and if you try to bring that up to God, God's like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. That What act are you talking about? You must have already confessed that. We have to confess those. And more importantly, we have to forgive ourselves. You know, some people, you might need to say out loud, I forgive myself for blank. I forgive myself for whatever regret is in my life. I forgive myself. Some of you need to write that on a paper. Some of you need to get somewhere and, and, and just tell yourself that. Some of you need to go deep in the woods and scream that out to yourself and say, I forgive you and put your name in there for whatever that regret is. It's time to forgive yourself. It's time to forgive yourself. So question one was um, do you regret committing a sin? Question two, do you regret hurting someone else? In a situation where you have hurt another, you have to do your best to bring healing to the wounds you have, um, you have afflicted. You know, when my brother and I, uh, I have one brother, and it was just me and him growing up, and he's three years younger, and uh, when my brother and I would, would fight, and we'd have some pretty knockout, dragout fights. You know, my mom and dad would just, you know, kind of let us have it, you know, and um, But whenever, whenever they, we'd kind of be done with it, they'd say, all right, it's time to make up. Time to make up? What do you mean? Yeah, it's time to make up. You're fighting. So what they would make us do, they'd make us kiss and make up. When I say kiss, I mean lip to lip. Oh, yeah. No, we weren't from Arkansas. But they would make us kiss and make up. And let me tell you, after a few times of that, we're like, dude, I'm not going to fight you because <laughs> I don't want to kiss you. But, you know, it, it gets to the point to where we have to, we have to um, you know, apologize and, uh, for anything we've done. So, if possible, apologize to the person for your wrongdoing and seeking reconciliation. If one of these regrets are the regrets you have in your head, and your heart... If those are against another person, it's time to apologize. Now, if possible, and the reason I say impossible, uh, if it's possible, because sometimes the other person, maybe they aren't available, or maybe they aren't willing, but you could still offer that, that apology. That apology. If they don't want to listen to you, write them a letter. If they don't want to listen to you, write yourself a letter. You know, or, or something. Now, if they're no longer with us on this earth, if someone has passed away and you've wronged them and you have never really asked their forgiveness, then you can uh, you can bring it to bring it to God, bring it to the Lord, say, Lord, I can't handle this on my own. Or write them a note and you know, put it in a bottle, throw it in the ocean, you know what, whatever whatever it takes. You can, you can offer that apology, and so maybe maybe your regret is with um, is with something you've done to to someone else. You know, David had this. David had uh, a regret uh, like we just talked about. But just imagine this: I didn't think about this. So this week, David never got a chance to apologize to Bathsheba's husband. He never got a chance to apologize to Bathsheba's husband. For murdering him because of his selfishness, because of his sin. So David had to come to the point where he had to forgive himself. Um, Question three, do you regret making a mistake? Do you regret a mistake you have made? Sometimes uh, we have made a tactical blunder or committed an error in judgment or have just taken a gamble and seen the dice roll against us. You know, I, I mean, I'm sure I've told you this story before when I was about 10 or 11 years old. After church, we had uh, several of our friends popping in the car, and then I decided to turn on the radio, and the car was at, an, at the top of a hill, and a bunch of friends were in it. And for some reason, the car got put in neutral, and kid, the car started rolling backwards. The family car, kids are piled up in it, and everybody's dodging out of the car besides just putting on the brake, duh. I jumped out of the car, and I'm, I'm on the pavement there and watching the family car go towards a ditch and just thinking, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. I regret that. And then later on when I had to tell my dad after church, he probably regretted that I was even born. So anyway, <laughs> but mistakes that we have, we have made. You know, there wasn't any malicious intent there wasn't any moral failure. Maybe you have made a mistake, and it wasn't anything you intended to do, but it's a mistake. Even if your mistake was serious and, and avoidable, remind yourself that this is something to learn from, not something to torment yourself over. Okay? So if, if one of those mistakes, one of those regrets are right here, it's time, to, it's time to let that go. And you're going to have an opportunity to do that in a few moments. So question three was, do you regret a mistake you made? Question four, do you regret being hurt by someone else? Do you regret being hurt by someone else? You may be dealing with the reaction regret caused by something harmful that someone else has done to you. Perhaps lying to you or stealing from you or cheating on you or even betraying you. Because the other person treated you like this, you're angry and bitter or vengeful toward them. If someone has done something wrong to you, the solution is forgiveness. Even if they won't forgive you. Even if they won't apologize to you. Offer forgiveness. This isn't just to release the other person. Let me tell you something. If someone has done something to you, and in return you want to be revengeful toward them, and you have regrets about that, those thoughts about that, it's time to forgive that person. There's no way those thoughts of revenge are ever going to leave your heart until you offer forgiveness. And that's tough. But can I tell you something? Forgiveness is is not necessarily for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is for you. Because you have to live with that as well. You have to live with that. It's to release you Because if you don't, then regret will pile up very high and very fast. Yes, depending on the harm done, it may take a while before we get to the point where we're generally able to forgive. I mean, depending on what people have done to you, you you can't just turn around and say, yeah, I, I forgive you right here, right now. Sometimes it takes time. I realize that. But we need to be like Jesus who forgave his murderers even As he hung down on the cross. So imagine this. Jesus was being killed slowly. A slow death. They've already whipped him. Till he was bleeding all over his body. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They put spikes in his hands and his feet. And he was dying a slow death. And they were murdering him. One minute at a time. And what did he do? He offered forgiveness. He offered forgiveness. We need to be like Jesus and offer that forgiveness. You know, God forgave us at the cross while we were still odds with him. Do you know that you and I, because of our sin, we were at odds with God even while Jesus was on the cross? Well, I wasn't at the cross, no. But when you look at the span of time because when Jesus died on the cross, his sin covered, I mean, his, his forgiveness of sin covered all of sin of humanity from the beginning to the end of time. And your sin and my sin were, are in that mix. And it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if we, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have been reconciled shall we Be saved through his life. We were at odds with him, but God forgave us through his son. Through his son, he forgave us while we were at odds with him on the cross. And how much more now, through the life of Jesus, can we have eternal and a fulfilled life? In Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, here's sort of the bottom line of forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 through 15, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's powerful. Verse 15, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Equally as powerful. You know, a writer once penned these words. He said, When I forgive, I set a prisoner free. But I soon discover that the real prisoner was me. When I forgive, I set a prisoner free. But I soon discover that the real prisoner was me. On June 17, 2015, Dylan Roof opened fire at the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina. My wife and I visited Charleston a few months ago this past summer, and we, um, we actually drove by this church. There were flowers everywhere. It was a horrific massacre that killed nine people. At the bond hearing, family members of the victims were able to make a statement to Dylan Roof. Here are just some of them. Now, these, these statements are about forgiveness. So here's a statement. This is from the daughter of victim Ethel Lance. It might be Ethel, Ethel Lance. She says this, I forgive you. She's looking at Dylan Roof. I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never get to talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. This is from a relative of Myra Thompson. I forgive him and my family forgive him. But we would like him to take this opportunity to repent, to confess. Give your life to the one who matters most, Jesus Christ. So this person wanted Dylan Ruth to confess his sin and to become a Christian so she will see him in heaven again. That's powerful. Or consider this from the sister of DePayne Middleton. Said this, for me, I'm a work in progress. And I acknowledge that I'm very angry. But one thing that DePayne, who was murdered, always, enjo- always enjoined and taught our family is she taught me that we are the family that love built. We have no room for hating, so we have to forgive, I pray God on your soul. Powerful. Forgiveness is powerful. Do you know what those testimonies were in that bond hearing? They were people experiencing God's release through forgiveness. The hurt that they felt was immense, but they would not get stuck. They would start over. So those people, in and I'm sure there are other people in that situation who lost loved ones who are still struggling with this. Maybe they haven't forgiven him. It's going to maybe take a little, bit, a little while. But there's no way people who are connected with the story can start over unless they offer forgiveness to the one who hurt them. So do you regret being hurt by someone else? It's time to offer forgiveness. And last question, question number five. Do you regret the pain you feel from life circumstances? Do you regret the pain you feel from life circumstances? circumstances. Let me give you examples. Um, for example, you develop a chronic illness. Walk in, doctor's office. You've been having a pain. Comes back after multiple tests. You have, you have a chronic illness. That's life Circumstances. Another example, a hurricane sweeps away your home. Just in South Georgia, just days ago, people died in South Georgia. Families lost their homes because their tornadoes ravaged through those neighborhoods. And tonight, when you come to the service tonight, We're going to take up a combined offering between our two churches, and every penny is that is going down to those families because we have a connection of someone who's working with them through the Georgia Baptist Convention. Or how about this? A stock market turns south. Sometimes there's no one to blame for life circumstances. Let me offer you some special caution if this is your situation. And let me tell you, life circumstances happen all the time. They happen all the time. When the world has hurt you, resist the temptation to blame God. Resist the temptation to blame God. Because if you're blaming God, then you have not offered forgiveness that situation and all there are people living their life today they're at odds with God because they can't forgive God because they feel like God has put a target on them and says I want this to happen that's not God that's not God can I tell you let me remind you of something when God created the world and created humanity uh, sin was not there this sin was not part of God's plan But because sin came into the world and it has grown, we are surrounded by sin in the world. And it's because of sin in the world that circumstances like these happen in our lives. And so sin has affected creation. Sin has affected mankind. And so you don't want to get to the point to where you can't even forgive God. Don't blame God. Don't blame God. So these five questions that I presented to you, maybe you've thought through, man, this regret that I'm dealing with deals with this. So how do, what do I do with that? How do, I, how do I begin releasing those? We're going to be doing something here in just a moment that's going to be a, an opportunity for you to sort of symbolically do that. But let me give you some, a couple of practical examples. Number one, a way to start releasing that is to have a conversation. Whether you've hurt others through a sin mistake or others have hurt you in some way, you will likely need to have a conversation. You will need to sit down to sort of resolve that in the relationship. By asking for forgiveness or granting forgiveness, you will begin to experience the release of regret. That's most, that's most of these regrets right here. I've read them all. I handpicked these. and We put them on here. And there's even more regrets beyond that. But a lot of these regrets can be done just of having a conversation. Is it easy? No. It's probably the hardest thing you'll ever do. But it's just laying down your pride. Laying down your pride before it's too late. Before the person you need to forgive or you need to apologize to is gone. Another thing you can do besides having a conversation, you can write a letter. I mentioned this earlier. You can write a, a letter to that person. And another powerful thing we can do always is we can always pray and ask God to please help us to get beyond this regret. Use it in a time of prayer. Whatever regret you're dealing with, let me tell you, there is scripture in here that will cover that regret, that will help walk with you to get you through that regret. It's in here. say, well, how do I find it? You know, we... We have technology today, that's pretty amazing. You type in your regret, just Google it. What scripture deals with unforgiveness? What scripture deals with mistakes through you know, relationships or whatever? There's scripture in here. Begin reading that scripture, memorizing that scripture. Post that scripture in places in, in, in your car, in your bathroom mirror, or on your phone. Put those in there and just remind yourself of that truth. Remind yourself of that truth.